Hi, this is Jamie and Amar at Get More at Vats. And we have an interesting topic that we're bringing forward in tactile detail uh, from something that was brought up first on the All In podcast. And I think it was, his name's Brad Gershner was talking about this concept called the race to intimacy. Because basically the concept here was they were talking about where AI is taking the world. They weren't just talking about sales, but where's AI taking the world? And they talked about how the generalists will spray and pray, but in fact, the real power of AI and the future of, I think, where everything in sales is going is being much more niche, or as our American friends would call it, niche. So now, as we're talking about the race to intimacy, ironically, I was listening to a podcast summit or like a, a virtual summit that went on late last week, hosted by Vineyard. And they actually, it was called the Fast Forward Virtual Summit. And they had one of the topics was called multi-threading. Run this foolproof playbook to increase win rates by up to 25%. And uh, this is why I want Amar to kind of talk tactile about the race to intimacy, because there is no question that, and we've brought up these stats before, single-threadedness is pervasive within our Average customer CRM, average seller, you would go into the CRM, there'd be zero, one, maybe two contacts. Statistically, it was like 70 or 80% of every major account that was deemed to be closed. In fact, uh, you know, there was one contact in the CRM. 36% had zero contact. Yeah. And when your average CRM decays at 3% a month, which is like 35 to 45% of the entire database in a year, Within two years, the whole thing's empty anyway. So with that, can you bring up, what does race to intimacy mean to you? Number two, what can you do about it? Yeah, so first let's define this, right? So at, at a high level, uh, Brad Kirstner from All In Podcast uh, mentioned this concept. It's a beautiful term, so we thought we'd bring it forward on this show. Quick definition from a sales perspective is, the salesperson that's able to provide an intimate level of education first. And then Jamie, to kind of go back into our olden days, there was a statistic from Corporate Visions slash Forrester that basically said that buyers, 74% of the time, buyers will choose salespeople that were first to add value and insight. Let's repeat that for everybody again. 74% of the time, buyers will choose salespeople that were first to add value and insight. This tells you the necessity of being first and being valuable, of course. Now, that's the definition. Now, how do you do this? So let's get very, very deeply tactical. Step number one, you should know the buying committee. Now, the buying committee is typically believed to be seven, eight, nine people in and around that uh, range. But Jamie, you and I both know that if you're actually seeking titles in a specific division or company, you could have 15, 20 people that you need to identify. And then from that, you start building a potential buying committee. So that's the very first thing. For most organizations listening to this podcast, you will agree when I say that 99% of the time, salespeople on your team will not be building a buying committee. Well, can I, so can I actually, bring it? Yeah. Yeah. I want to bring in an idea. So this morning I was reading a LinkedIn post. His name's uh, Chris. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, Orlop. 
Okay, so he's now started his own business, but he came from Gong. And he talks about, he just interviewed, and I'm actually reading his LinkedIn post. It was fantastic. He interviewed a CFO of a $100 million ARR company. And he asked the CFO from his perspective, it's, you know, you and I have talked about even writing a book like this or interviewing like interviewing our customers' customers and figuring out how do they buy. So here's some of the points that he, he said. The champion that you're bringing towards me, the CFO, their financial reputation makes or breaks your deal. The CFO talking says, I will never meet with the seller. I intend to see that the champion can sell me. And so I want to see that that leader is budget, budget conscious, that they're frivolous, and they've thought through the return on investment. How amazing in a time like this in the economy we're in. Number two, CFO wants to see your champion that has done the homework. They have clearly articulated. Think about it's like situation, challenge, resolution, recommendation, the whole bit. Number three, don't make it hard. Uh, The the champion, uh, or sorry, you the seller, have not made it hard to say yes a few things that irritate CFOs. Sending PDFs of your MSA instead in Word. Asking for obnoxious payment terms. Thinking you can skip a legal review. Pushing way too hard for multi-year. So anyways, this was a fantastic about the buying committee is going to include the CFO. You just might not get to meet that CFO. So you yeah. have to think through how you are going to sell towards that CFO. And Jamie, some of this is definitely on the product and solution and packaging side, which is probably out of the the hands of most of our most of most of our students, i.e., salespeople. So, but at a broad stroke level, it's obvious you need a way for you need a way to give your CRM a massive boost of data that includes the buying committee members. Now, you can ask your salespeople to build it, like your account based sellers. You can ask your SDRs or BDRs to build it, um, or you can basically work with a company like ours who can just give it to you, right? So that's number one. Number two, now we get into the world of digital. Number two is very, very interesting, which is you got to connect with every single one of those people on LinkedIn. Now, Jamie, what's the advantage of that connection? Well, now you basically get to prospect on two playing fields. So you get to prospect in the what I call the analog way, which is phone, email, face-to-face, et cetera. Those are great ways, but they're analog. But then you get to prospect digitally. And the way you do that is once they're connected with you, they start seeing the content that you're posting. If that content is educational, insightful, it teaches them something of value. If it fulfills those three markers, now your words are reaching them at a much higher level and at a much higher quantifiable number than just a once in a while phone call or a once in a while email, which are, you know, in the olden days, Jill Rowley used to say, Jamie, phone calls and emails are basically like delete and ignore, mm-hmm. right? So talk to me about the importance of that dual prospecting strategy from your perspective because we've been doing this for a decade. I'm sure you have examples of why this is important. Yeah, no, I 
at the end, at the end of the day, it, you know, it's funny. I wasn't even expecting you to pose that question to me. <laughs> at the, That's why this is so fun. We challenge each other. Like at the end of the day, um, I can't tell you how many times I have made this mistake. Like, you know, I've been selling for 20 years and I have caught myself every quarter forecasting a deal like this one. This, this is getting done. And only to have a surprise come out where somebody who I knew in my heart of hearts was probably in the buying committee. I neglected to connect with them from the first discovery call onward on LinkedIn. I didn't include them in our weekly pipeline coverage nurturing emails. So what we do is we share an idea, best practice, pitfalls, challenges, in an email every week to every prospect in our pipeline coverage. And then I'm somehow flabbergasted when a deal pauses or some, my champion goes dark for a month. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, well, I've hurt, hit these internal roadblocks. I knew all this was coming, but I didn't take an extra 30 minutes to set up the infrastructure in advance. Identify who these people were, put them in the CRM, prepare them for my education, nurture, didn't build. Maybe I didn't include them on a newsletter or I didn't put them into a digital sales room. Like I didn't make it simple for them to learn from me. So from their perspective, I'm invisible. The only news that they get from us is through our champion. And if our champion bothers to share that insight, so... It's it's so insanely important what you just said because if you think about your champion, actually, before I talk about that, let me just say this. There is a research piece, and of course, Jamie, you know about this research piece. It's from Gartner, and they say that 83% of someone's time is actually spent in self-education. They're educating themselves. They're doing it individually or they're doing it with other team members. So basically the buying committee is doing collab without you as a salesperson. So if you think about how much time is spent, let's call it 80-20, 80% of their time is spent by themselves doing research and only 20% of the time is spent with you. That is so powerful and yet so scary. It really makes the case for having knowledge of the entire buying committee. If you're a sales leader and you're wondering why deals are falling through, Jamie was very candid in saying, hey, these are the pitfalls we're even having in our pipeline sometimes, right? Because sometimes we get sloppy, like we're human, right? But ultimately, you have to know the entire buying committee. It is the solution for getting around that. So I think those are the two big things that salespeople and sales leaders should do. They should build the buying committee at all costs. If you can't build it, how are you even going to know who to prospect to? And then second, and 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 just to go a, a little bit deeper into that, your champion doesn't have as much influence or power as you think. Now, if you're selling into the C level, that sounds a little bit weird what I just said, but it's true because C levels are not making autonomous and independent decisions. Look, I'll share a story with you. Jamie and I are just about to close a deal with a customer, with a prospect that's turning into a customer. And we're dealing with the chief revenue officer at this business. Now you'd think with a title like chief revenue officer, well, as a part of 
the entire sales cycle, guess what she did? She pulled us into a meeting with who? The CFO, the CMO, and the CEO. At the end of the day, the actual decision makers in 2023 of every business is only the CEO and CFO. Everyone has just cash allocated to them. That's it. And guys, go, go to PipelineSignals.com and look at our pricing page. You'll see the solutions. Like we're not selling multi-million dollar solutions. We're selling solutions circa 30 to call it 80 grand a year, right? In that range. We're still considered enterprise, which is incredibly weird if you ask me. So not knowing the buying committee is a major, major point of disaster. And then second, I think the sleeper surprise here is getting really good with connections on LinkedIn. I dare all of you, or maybe dare is a strong word. I'm going to invite all of you to do an audit of your CRM. So if you're a salesperson, do this, like finish this podcast and go do this. Go into your CRM, look at every opportunity, even at a 10% stage or higher. Okay. Look at every opportunity in your pipe and then say, Am I connected with those people on LinkedIn? Because there's a very strong chance you're not. Every time we get people to do this, and sales leaders, get get your sales team to do this at scale. And what you're going to find is that at least 50 to 80% of the people that you know in CRM, which are minimal anyway, you're not connected to them in real life on LinkedIn. So doing these things can have a drastic impact on the race to intimacy. So we're going to start to wind down And just to kind of conclude, the race to intimacy is real. It's a fancy way of saying that the person who's first and the person who educates the most is the person very, very likely to get the deal. And the data to back that up is, I'm not going to say it's old, but it's pretty old now. It's five, seven, eight years old now, Jamie. And that data says that 74% of the time, buyers will choose salespeople that are first to add value and insight. Be that person. And it's actually not hard because if you're not getting in with your champion, there's likely seven, eight, nine other people that you can play with. So that's it for us. It's Jamie and Amar signing out from the Get More at Bats podcast. Please subscribe, hit the like button, get us out there. We believe these messages are critically important for the B2B sales community globally. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, of course, And hey, invitation, connect with us on LinkedIn. If you need any help, if you're stuck, if you want to just talk shop on any of this stuff, just reach out to us. No pressure, of course, but we love this stuff. We're geeks for it. We invite you to have conversations with us anytime. Thanks. Take care, and we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.